Hello and welcome to Max Politics. This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette, a publication of Citizens Union Foundation. Thanks very much for tuning in here for the show. We are speaking on Friday, April 21st, 2023. We are still waiting for a new state budget out of Albany, where the governor and legislature have been passing extenders to pay the state's bills now three weeks into the new fiscal year while they negotiate a wide range of fiscal and policy priorities. The budget for now, the current fiscal year that began April 1st, is expected to come in at around $230 billion and include many new policy initiatives, though a number of major policies being debated could wind up without compromise and thus pushed out of the budget into the legislative session that follows and runs through June. My guest on this episode of the show will give us some insight into state budget negotiations, particularly on key issues under his purview. State Senator Leroy Comrie is with me. A Queens Democrat, Senator Comrie represents the 14th District, covering parts of Southeast Queens, and he chairs the Senate's Committee on Corporations, Authorities, and Commissions, which means, among other things, the committee with oversight of the MTA, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. In just a moment, we'll dig in with Senator Comrie on the broader status of budget negotiations and the specifics of MTA-related budget matters, which include negotiations over how to provide new recurring funding to support the MTA's annual operations and plug a roughly $2 billion operating gap to fund the running of the subways, buses, and commuter rails, and how those conversations relate to a push from advocates and others to improve subway and bus service and more. The governor and legislature are negotiating MTA funding and related matters as part of the much broader negotiations of taxing and spending that include many issues and proposals from criminal justice policy to housing policy, a push to raise the minimum wage, climate and energy policy, and much, much more. Senator Leroy Comrie in just a moment. First, if you miss any recent episodes of the show, find them all at Max Politics, wherever you get podcasts or the Gotham Gazette website. Had some great recent conversations with a number of guests, mostly focusing on state budget issues and negotiations, but also some New York City focused discussion. Also this very week, I have a separate episode of the podcast featuring two leading advocates on transit and climate issues, Betsy Plum of Riders Alliance and Julie Tai of the New York League of Conservation Voters. So after you listen to this one, you can also listen to that one over the weekend or early into next week as state budget negotiations are ongoing and we don't know when we'll get a deal. And then in past episodes, some highlight guests have included Senator Comrie's colleagues like State Senate Finance Chair Liz Kruger. And I also had a really interesting recent conversation with New York State Housing Commissioner Ruth Ann Viznauskas, among others. I won't go into any more names or details now. And of course, you can find our bread and butter recent reporting at GothamGazette.com, including many pieces related to what's happening in New York state budget negotiations and much more. All right, Senator Leroy Comrie, a Queens Democrat, chair of the Senate Committee on Corporations, Authorities and Commissions. Thank you very much for being here and taking the time. How are you? 
Well, thank you for scraping the bottle of the barrel and asking me to join on your podcast. I feel honored and privileged. Not at all, uh, but thanks very much for, for joining me here. Um, so as we speak here on the afternoon of Friday, April 21st, uh, there's been budget extenders passed. You, you passed another one the day before we're speaking here to continue to pay the state's bills. Um, how do you, how do you describe what's your sense for people of where state budget negotiations stand broadly? Sort of where are we at right now? I know your Senate Majority Leader said that she might characterize it as the beginning of the end phase. Um, but how, from where you sit, where do you see negotiations right now? Right now, um, the negotiations are happening at a um, at a level that many of us don't directly participate in, um, even on, even as legislators. So uh, what we are doing in, in our legislative levels is to continue to advocate for the critical things that we want to see uh, to our respective bodies of leadership. Um, when we have an opportunity to speak to the commissioners or to anyone on the second floor to continue to advocate for the uh, issues and concerns and policies that we would like to see resolved. And then hopefully um, there's some discussion on the executive level or at the table, they said, where we can uh, close some of these issues down and hopefully most of the issues that can be resolved uh, can be closed down so we can finalize the budget next week. And, and then also hopefully by now, there's some realization that some policy issues it should be taken off the table so that we can get the budget done um, because the budget, unfortunately, has drifted into policy areas lately over the last four, five years or so, uh, when it should be focused on budgetary matters. So that's, that's mm. a discussion about, you know, how we should proceed with the concerns and needs of the state, uh, which and requires a, a, a different topic altogether. But um, you know, hopefully we can get to some um, end game uh, next week where we are voting on the entire budget. All right, so perhaps the week of what'll be Monday the 24th of April, perhaps that week we'll see, we'll see the budget wrapped up. Um, is it the case that right now uh, legislators are often still in sort of working groups around specific issues? And you talk through, so for example, on things like MTA funding, you're part of discussions that then inform what your Senate Majority Leader takes to that room with the Assembly Speaker and the Governor. Is that still happening? Are there still discussions to be had there? Or is that is that kind of done for now once you pass your one house budget resolution and maybe have a little bit more conversation past that? Is there still that sort of um, communication process on on core issues. Um, yes, the, the our within our body because I can't speak for the assembly body, but mm -hmm. within our body, uh, once we've established a, a working group on a particular topic, that group will stay intact in perpetuity. So whenever there's an issue, the uh, working group will convene either informally or formally to have a discussion, even if it's through a quick chat, um, to try to make sure that we're aligned and understanding of the um, nuances or, or changes in a particular issue or policy. 
what we've heard from some and including some of the leaders um, is that for the most part in the room with the, the governor and the speaker and the majority leader, mostly it's been criminal justice and housing discussions. Um, is it is it your understanding that things related to exactly figuring out this MTA funding issue, for example, haven't really been gotten to yet? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. There have been discussions on the staff level and on the uh, executive staff level, but yes, the focus in on has been on those two categories that you named, and until there's some resolution on that, the other things won't get to the executive level. So in other words, we've been doing the preliminary work. Uh, we have our positions and alternatives and, and ideas um, to present on just, say, MTA funding. But it hasn't risen to the, the executive level yet because they are still trying to focus on the governor's primary priorities. For this yeah. And is your understanding that there is a deal on some more changes to the bail law or is that not final yet? I heard seven different versions of <laughs> levels of finality. I, uh-huh. have, I have no idea what yeah. that, that is right now. So yeah. Um, you talk to one person and they say they have something worked out and then another person says that it's not what that person thought it was so hopefully um by monday we will have some unanimity on whatever that language is uh, or whatever it isn't then we can move on yeah. is um is the general sense that the senate uh, democratic supermajority is comfortable with this idea of removing the least restrictive standard uh, for judges on violent felonies. That was some of the reporting was that that was sort of where an agreement was landing. I know you said you've heard various accounts, so so maybe there's still not a clarity here. But is your sense that at least for Senate Democrats, who mostly didn't want to revisit the, the bail law, but some did, and then obviously it was a major priority for the governor. So that's why it's dominated some of the talks but that that was a potential compromise position is is granting the governor this removal of re- least restrictive standard for violent um, offenses? I think that the beauty of having a supermajority is that you never know what your numbers are until there's a final decision. Um, I think right now, the, all of the members of the supermajority are trying to make sure that their positions are clear with the leader. Um, and that uh, she is, um, and she's been great at making sure that she understands everybody's point of view and gives everybody a chance to be heard on their point of view, and also convey to the larger body uh, what the general obligations are and the, the point of view of the governor is. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, by the time we get to a final uh, uh, decision or whatever the final wording is on what may or may not be done with the uh, bail and, and the other uh, criminal enforcement issues that have been brought up that uh, we will have a majority of the members that will want to make that happen. Okay. Um, maybe we'll touch on housing in a few minutes, but let's talk MTA uh, issues. Uh, as I mentioned in the introduction, a big piece of the discussion here around budgets and fundings is um the MTA has an operating deficit, in part already an existing structural issue, then exacerbated by reduced ridership coming out of the pandemic, 
a lot of it's recovered, but a lot of it still has not recovered, work from home and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, so there are different proposals. The governor looking uh, for uh, a payroll mobility tax on certain businesses in the MTA region, uh, some state aid, a fair increase that was supposed to happen already, but got paused, and then $500 million annually from New York City to kick in additional city funding for the MTA. The legislature came back, rejected all of that, basically, and wants to in, uh, do a, a relatively slight increase in corporate taxes, basically, to, to fund the MTA. Mm -hmm. so that's, the, that's the playing field that we had mid-March. We're now a month later. Uh, what can you say in terms of where, where that all stands or where you think it's heading um, as these negotiations start to get into those levels of detail? We're in a good place on, on our levels with it, I think. Uh, we have some, as I said earlier, we have some ideas and some alternatives to present that make sense to the public and make sense to the MTA. We just have to make sure that um, the other two houses of government are, are in favor of it. Uh, I mean, the, the Assembly and, and the Senate. I think the Assembly members, the Assembly side, I think are already um, aligned with our concerns and our ideas and the things that we're moving forward. Um, so it's really just hopefully, you know, as I said earlier, it hasn't risen to the executive level yet because they've been uh, stuck on other matters. Um, but I think that we're in a good place. We want to make sure that the MTA can stay funded, that we don't, you know, we, we don't want to see um, increases in um, fair hikes. Uh, we want to see the MTA do more to um, you know, the, 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 the MTA is very interested in the, the uh, camera program to a camera enforcement program to double that. And, um, you know, we're, we're very concerned about making sure that the MTA has uh, the service levels, but also the transparency um, so that we can make sure that people have faith that they're spending their money wisely and that we're getting the most bang for the buck and that we can um, ensure that, uh, you know, as ridership continues to increase, that the level of safety uh, and cleanliness of this system uh, will be maintained. In order to get ridership all the way back to pre-pandemic levels, we have to provide a clean, safe, and uh, frequent system. So I didn't even mention, actually, and you just reminded me that part of the discussion also was insisting that the MTA find some internal efficiencies and savings. That was at least part of the governor's uh, proposal as well to sort of say to the MTA, yes, there's going to be additional operating support coming, but you also got to find some, you know, some efficiencies and savings uh, in your own house. Um, how how which, which, far? And the MTA has actually said that they can do that. So, you know, we're, we're asking them to come up with 500 million in savings, I believe, over two years. And, and they said that they are on on the path to make that happen. So that's that's. Okay. You know, I have to give them credit where credit is due. How firm are you? How firm do you feel the the state senate majority is on uh, not increasing the fare at at this point? You know, we're like we're, a, we're 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 one hundred over one hundred with that one. There's no there's no member that wants to see increased fares. Um, there's no member that uh, believes that uh, going in to people's uh, individual pockets is the best way to make this happen. Um, 
there are other uh, ideas that we have for revenue to help BMJ cover those costs. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so as far as you're concerned, the, the proposal that was in the Senate one house budget is really still where you're at and what you're going into when, when these discussions get more granular and get to the three people in a room table, that's, that's still where you're going in on that. Nothing's changed over the last month. No, no, nothing's changed on it. And if anything, we've, um, been able to double down as far as prove it and and come up with you know uh, solid reasoning why we are using these particular models. So and we have been getting some positive uh, feedback from the, uh, the, um, the our counterparts in both house. Okay. Is it? How firm do you feel and how has the conversation with Mayor Adams and his team gone on this? How firm do you feel about not including the 500 million or any any significant new increase in New York City funding for the MTA? Does that feel are you going into this discussion with that off the table or do you think there is some room for the city to kick in more for the MTA operating budget? I personally have been going in saying that this is unfair to hit the city with that burden. Um, and, you know, we've been doing everything we can to show why we have other revenues to cover those costs. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the the issue of how much the city is paying to the MTA, how much the city is doing for the MTA is something that has been well documented by many entities. Um, and But I, I think that it's unfair just to sum up that we would ask uh, the, the city to cover half billion dollars in costs over in debt they've never covered um, before. Mm. Um, as you sit here now, and I understand as we've discussed, there's um, <laughs> there's a lot still to be determined here, especially around the the nuances of this conversation. But as we sit here now, can you can you do you feel comfortable assuring New Yorkers, um, especially the riding public, that there will be a solid negotiated compromise on this issue, uh, you know, that, that you will be able to get to a deal that solidifies the MTA's operating finances so that they don't have to slash service, that they don't have to um, even go beyond the uh, 275 to $3, you know, fare increase, that there won't be really drastic measures needed. Can you, do you feel comfortable giving people a lot of assurance that there will be an agreement reached? Yes, I'm very comfortable with the fact that we have a surplus in the state budget. We have both houses that understand the need to have a uh, functional and, and operational MTA that's operating at um, you know high capacity uh, and and even and try to increase their capacity and the ability to um, take care of people. Uh, you know, we want to do a bus pilot program. Uh, we want to do you know some other opportunities to increase and improve service like improve paratransit uh for people as well uh that we can do it within the budget without raising fares and cutting service mm -hmm. um speaking of some of that i was speaking with betsy plum of riders alliance you know some of the leading advocates that i know you've worked with mm -hmm. um and they were saying, you know, one of the big asks from the advocacy community which of course has had some support in the legislature is a $300 million start to moving towards robust six, every six minute service 
Um, there's a whole phase in that could occur to eventually get there. As, as she said, there's, you know, this is not something that could be done with a snap of a fingers and just some money in the budget, but, mm-hmm. but really looking to enhance and improve service and starting down that road. So is that a priority for you in these negotiations to say, okay, let's figure out how we're stabilizing the MTA budget, but then let's even go a little bit further here to, to really start working on more frequent service that, you know, experts and advocates say this would help bring more people back uh, to the subways and buses and potentially even pay for itself. Um, I'll qualified, yes, because <laughs> we do want to create better service models. I'm not sure that we'd be able to do six guaranteed six minute service this year. System mm-hmm. going on a system wide, and we're looking to do things to maybe do a pilot on that as well. Um, um, but we're also looking at um, other other ways to improve service all along. So, you know, between, especially on the bus routes and, mm-hmm. and the buses, to figure out how to do better service um, and, and better um, consistency with the bus routes as well. I think that's a, a big focus for the Riders Alliance as well. But to get yeah. stated, we're going to get Six minute system wide service this after this fiscal year is not. No, I don't think anybody thinks it's happening that quickly. No, no, yeah. I think, I think they're trying to push a, for a first, you know, a first step towards it. On those buses, is there what are there particulars that that you're focused on in terms of how to in, improve bus service? Um, the, the the MTA has been focusing on the um, bus cameras and and. Um, the enforcement and bus lanes and also putting in more lanes and being able to do more to inform the public about respecting the lanes as well. Mm, interesting. And, and, and you mentioned, I think when you say a bus pilot, you're talking about the, the potential for experimenting with two free bus routes in each borough. Is that what you're? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And is that something you think is, is a real live possibility? My, my impression was that that seemed like one of these sort of nice asks um, that could that could be great for people if it were to come to fruition, but the type of thing that when these budget negotiations happen, it's kind of the thing that very often gets you know sort of left on the yeah. side. I'm not sure if it'll make it to the final, but we're it's still in the running right now because the MTA wants to show that it can uh, be flexible and and um, innovative. You know, one of the things that we're trying to do is to make sure that. The MTA stays on the cusp of innovation and, and they, they can be aware of um, new technologies and new opportunities as well. So um, they haven't shelved it yet. So mm-hmm. yeah. And just for, for those who haven't been paying close attention, that's a proposal that in each borough there would be a free two free bus lines. The most, um, I believe, the most traveled bus line and then one that serves the lowest income community or low income communities um, in that borough. Do I have that right? Generally? Yes. I don't know if you get down into this granular level, but uh, based on one of the things you just said, it reminded me of this, uh, challenge where the MTA has installed the Omni readers in the buses, but hasn't turned them on for the back doors and, um, d- isn't allowing the back door boarding, um, in part, to try to make sure there isn't more people not paying the fare 
Uh, is that something that you're paying a lot of attention to, or is that the unions have expressed some grave concerns about mm -hmm. backdoor boarding and, mm -hmm. and auto boarding? Um, they felt that during the pandemic, it led to a lot of uh, of people not paying the fare, and they're not they don't have the ability to do enforcement, and they're not going to try to do enforcement. And they think that so they, they I think they're trying to work out those things with the union wide. They haven't implemented the backdoor boarding as of yet. Interesting. And 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 also, you know, if if it was clear during the pandemic that people weren't paying, what's going to motivate them to pay now? This, you know, mm -hmm. And that's be some, part of where the free buses comes into the conversation as well. People right. say, "Well, let's just make them free." Um, Part of your mechanism in the legislature, both houses, is a corporate tax increase to to help fund the MTA. The business community, of course, pushing back against any corporate tax increases. Is that something where you've had conversations with, uh, you know, major advocates for the business community? Of course, there's you know Kathy Wild from the Partnership for New York City and, and others. Mm -hmm. um, how, how's that gone? The governor. Uh, you know, sort of famously at the beginning of this cycle, uh, of this budget the cycle this year, said she was not going to raise income taxes this year, but this is different than that. So how's the, how have the conversations around that funding mechanism that you want to use, how, how have they gone? How do you feel about the direction those have taken? Um, it, it, I think the direction is that we're going is a positive one. I'm not sure, um, only because of the holdups at other levels that they haven't we haven't been able to have a, a final drill down on that yet, but I feel confident that after they look at all of the funding variable alternatives, that they will select them. Okay. I am speaking with State Senator Leroy Comrie, who uh, represents the 14th District, covering parts of Southeast Queens, and also chairs the Senate's Committee with Oversight of the MTA. Uh, just a couple more questions for you. I appreciate the time. Um, Thank you. Let's let's talk a little bit about your oversight of the Penn Station uh, redevelopment, Penn Station area redevelopment. This is something where uh, there was a major proposal under Governor Andrew Cuomo. Governor Kathy Hochul then uh, had a revised version. It still had to many eyes and ears, um, a pretty shocking amount of new office space involved in the proposal, especially as obviously there's there's lots and lots of vacant office space. Now, some people say, well, that a lot of the current vacant office space is older and you know this new space would be more attractive and, and so forth. But um, a, a heavy focus on new office space. Now that plan has since sort of come apart a bit. Um, you have been really focused on on this issue and, and your oversight of it. What's your read on the status of there being a sort of massive Penn Station area redevelopment plan? Are we back to square one on this? Where Where's this at? We are back to square one because the GPP, um, because of Renato's is, uh, our reluctance now to commit to move forward, and even the original plan, their commitment was so um, it was so poorly developed. Just to be blunt about it, uh, where they they could not make any definitive commitment for years or decades on building, um, really wasn't adequate to ensure financing of the plant. 
So because the, the fact that the plan has to be refinanced, I think it's a great opportunity to work with all of the stakeholders to come up with something that makes sense. If you look at the way the High Line was developed and all of the economic development that spurred out of that, there is a opportunity if you look back at when they built first built Grand Central Station and the fact that you know they had to um, build over a uh, train yard to make that happen and all the economic development that uh, flowered from that. There is a track record of you know creating large economic development projects that would spur economic development that could raise financing for the state. I never liked the governor's original plan, uh, and the, the new governor um, took over a plan but didn't make substantial changes on it uh, above ground. I think that there are great examples on value capture, on, or not on value capture, but on um, uh, you know figuring out how to use that real estate in the most effective manner. Um, it's one of the most valuable pieces of property in the country, if not the world, uh, next to a major transit hub. I think there are many ways to ensure that we could get the financing for the development work that has to be done to have a Penn Station that's a world-class station that uh, will be able to accommodate our transportation needs in the future by ensuring that we have a station that can handle all types of uh, transit, all types of rail, uh, in a in a through running type capacity where we can interchange and interest and switch um, uh, uh, train or rail cars in throughout the station, which would triple the capacity of Penn Station and allow more people from around the country to get to Penn Station, continuing to ensure that New York can stay an economic capital of this country. Now we need a Penn Station that can do the things necessary to allow for the maximum amount of uh, passengers as possible. Uh, even, even as you know, my biggest focus has been changing the physical layout of the Penn Station plant to ensure that we have a through running and multimodal station uh, like they have in Germany, like they have in um, other developed nations where you can um, make that happen. Um, I'm going to leave the above ground stuff to my colleagues uh, <laughs> in Manhattan to figure out those specific details. But uh, again, yeah, PP is dead um, because the major person that was supposed to fund it has decided that they are looking to um, figure out alternate ways to make this happen. So mm -hmm. it's necessary that the state goes back to the stakeholders and figure out another plan. And perhaps a new GPP general project plan for that area. Um, yeah, I mean, as I indicated uh, in in my in my question, uh, my leading question about the office space, I, I I was always surprised that there wasn't more of a perhaps housing component than a than an office space component. Um, well, you know, I think Ben, that area is again one of the most viable, um, desirable areas. Yeah. Either or, um, for both, or you know, and maybe even for you know something that we haven't thought of yet because you know the um, the way transportation is going to evolve over time. So I would I would say that whatever is the final solution that comes up there with something that could, you know, still accommodate the need to finance the station, but also to uh, enhance and preserve and, um, you know, upgrade the, what's there now. Mm. Um, merging what we've been talking about a little bit, uh, one of the 
parts of the governor's housing plan was transit-oriented development and basically uh, requiring that areas around any MTA region uh, stop, any mass transit stop along the subways or along the commuter rails Mm -hmm. would uh, be rezoned to increase housing density. Mm-hmm. Um, I always thought, generally speaking, that that would be perhaps the least controversial part. You know, it makes a lot of sense from various perspectives, would help the MTA's bottom line, would add housing right near transit. It's, a you know, combine some good climate policy, right? You have mass transit, you have denser housing, people live right near the, the train. Um, what, what do you think about just that specific piece? I know you've had your criticisms and issues related to basement apartment legalization. We could maybe spend a minute on that before we say goodbye, but mm-hmm. what, what about that? Especially the, in your, in the your concept coding? of TOD is a solid concept, but it was delivered with a half mile radius. It was then, then it was reduced to still a third mile radius. And then it was also drop on people saying that we're just going to tell you what we should do and not give an opportunity to um, make any sound decisions or any decisions at all. So what she did was freak out everybody and those bad players got to skate away uh, because the people that are going to be caught up in the wake got freaked out also. So, you know, and they're definitely the idea of TOD and doing it surgically and doing it with a um, opportunity to give people a chance to let you know where the best areas are or give them a timeline or a deadline would have been the better way to do it. Mm-hmm. But she just developed, she, they, they, what's the proper way to say it? She dropped it on a platter and didn't do it surgically. She just mm-hmm. scared everybody with it. And again, the un- unfortunately aligned areas of the state that are already overdeveloped with areas of the state that don't want to develop uh, because they could all use the um, one half uh, mile radius and the mandates as a reason to go crazy about it. You know, not giving New Yorkers a chance to step up or step out, it, it didn't work with anybody. But I think that eventually there will be some type of TOD, um, but done with cooperation or or with the attempt of cooperation from the communities around those particular areas. I guess that's part of my question about how all this has gone down is the question of did the governor or team do enough in creating the plan? They didn't do anything. You know, last year she came up with proposals and she slept on them. And and all of a sudden, instead of, you know, um, campaigning on them or, or going to communities to have these discussions. She waited until budget time to bring them up back up again. And, you know, that's not, this this, this was bad strategic planning on her part. Um, it, it, this was not the right way to do things. It aligned um, everyone against her because no one wants to be, no one wants to be told that they don't have input or have an opportunity to have an opinion. Uh, you know, a New Yorker without an opinion is a Minnesotan. <laughs> oh no! Don't offend Minnesotans. Well, I'm, um, just, <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking about how the mayor uh, got in some trouble with his uh, comments about Kansas. So we don't want. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's true. Right. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mean to pick a particular state, but you Mid- can't have. 
you're not a New Yorker if you don't have it. There you go. To yeah. be told that you're not going to be allowed an opinion. Yeah. You know, it just makes people more New Yorkers. They're going to step up and, and fight for their, you know, their little piece of space. I'm not going to, uh, you know, play the role right now of pushback from the Hochul administration. I'll encourage people to listen to my conversation with the state housing commissioner, Ruth Ann Viznauskas, because we got into some of this. They gave their perspective, which, you know, response to some of what you said is their perspective is we're requiring, you know, a certain amount of density. The idea is to require a certain amount of density near mass transit, but localities would have a good bit of flexibility in terms of what that looks like and the types of growth. But the idea is you have but, to grow. But they didn't go out to the localities to sell it. This is yeah. something you got oh, sure. to sell to sure. people. You just can't stick it in a six or eight week yeah. or six week yeah. budget process. So uh, let me let you go on the basement issue. Let's just touch on that before we go, because I know this is something you're outspoken on. I saw coverage um, of this in, in city limits. Right. I Very simply put on basement spend, um, unless the fire department approves it, unless you can do a walkout. Um, you know, it, it, we can't legalize illegality. We just can't say because people are living in an illegal condition, you can turn around and make permits to say that it's okay. Because that is not Well, safe. the idea would be they have to, there has to be a process of legalization and being brought up to code, no? Correct. So if they can meet the standards for that process and practicality, um, fine. But I'm very dubious that they can meet those standards mm -hmm. in practicality without it costing 100 to 150K, uh, which is a whole second mortgage that people are not gonna wanna take on. So uh, if they wanna, you know, if the city says they wanna do a fund to, to um, you know, cover people's costs for it, uh, fine. But once they find out, you know, there's, there's, there's theory and then there's actuality. And the actuality of this is that when they tried it in Brooklyn in the pilot program, um, only two or three people bothered to go forward because the costs were prohibitive. They are saying that uh, probably part of the problem is the multiple dwelling laws and they want to be able to amend some of those laws to make it easier to get the permitting and whatnot. Um, they can feel free to, you know, try to make those changes to make that happen. Um, okay, that's that. that's a that's a that's a more nuanced position than I thought you had. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, no, I'm not I mean, you know, if they want to try, fine, but they mm -hmm. again we have people that are in theoretical land that are not done it practically. And once you try to drill down and get things done in this city, it's much harder to actually. So there's done. that, there's that practical side of the equation, but then the other practical side is you got people living in these conditions, right? And right. then we saw them right. become deadly. So right. if you don't go in that direction, you got to do something that is. We got to get the, we got to do enforcement. I mean, there, there's no reason other than lack of enforcement, why people are living in these conditions. And, mm -hmm. you know, people lying to homeowners saying that you can rent your basement and or uh, people just taking advantage of the fact that there is no enforcement and taking advantage of the immigrant communities or, or poor communities and pushing them into basements. So it's, it's a well, it's a lack of enforcement that has created this horror story. And and if those people are going to be uh, evicted, so to speak, there be, there be, there better be some new housing for them uh, for them to move there's, into. You know, there, there's no there's no Mitchell Lama housing built, no no mm -hmm. no work no focus on uh, uh, workforce housing built. Uh, you know, there's, there's nothing to be done to say that there's uh, uh, creating a a real um, affordable housing program. There's been nothing done on AMI. You know, there's so much that hasn't been done um, to do affordable housing in this state um, over the last 10 years that has created this 
situation where people are trying to live wherever they can because they know that, that there's no other alternative. So, you know, the, the we as a state have failed the working class people over the 10 years. Well, much more to discuss and try to get done done in Albany in this budget or, or beyond. Uh, Senator Kami, we'll leave it there. Really appreciate the conversation and the time. Thank you for joining me. Uh, keep us keep us updated as negotiations uh, progress here and good luck getting that budget done next week. You think you think it's going to get done next week? I'm at 70-30 on okay. no, um, unfortunately, because unless there's some breakthroughs over the weekend, by the time they print and do everything, and folks have, we'll see. I'm, I'm so 70 30, no for next week, but maybe right. the week after. Okay. The week after, yeah. Okay. Okay. Boy, we're, we're going into May here almost. Yeah, almost. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. All right. Well, thank you for the time and the thoughts. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Talk to you soon, YouTube. Stay safe.